Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to Exposed. I'm Joseph Shepard, and today we have the absolute pleasure of chatting with Canada Drag Race Season 1 contestant, Alona Verley. Now, the thing that we're going to do for this interview is a little bit different. I did not have the questions already. Alona and I are going to have a flowing conversation. She has a lot to talk about, and we need to figure everything out. So let's get into it. Welcome, Alona. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So were you born and raised in Canada? Yeah, so I was actually born on Vancouver Island, which is a ferry boat ride away from Vancouver. And then I was raised on the island and I got to spend a lot of time on my reserve growing up with my culture, which was really amazing. And then when I was in about middle school, my mom and I moved over to Vancouver and I lived life in the city, and that's where I found drag. <laughs> Wait, so you, when you grew up, you actually were on a reserve? Yeah, I grew up spending a lot of time on my reserve in Lytton. Actually, recently, we had a huge fire in Lytton that devastated almost the entire town, and a lot of people were displaced. So shout out to Lytton fundraisers. If you guys have some money you want to throw out to Lytton, uh, they could really use it right now. And I mean, like, you guys in Canada, especially with, like, Indigenous people and stuff, like, it's it's very sad, like, because there's that whole, the whole like school thing going on too, right? Yeah, with all the residential schools, you know, it's one of these things where a lot of people are hearing about it for the first time and oh my gosh, there's all these children's bodies being found and stuff, but actual Indigenous people aren't shocked by this. Like we knew our kids were never coming home. We knew that shit was going down, you know? And I think if anything, finding these burial grounds on these residential school sites are just like really showing the world, like... We weren't just telling stories. We weren't talking out our ass. The residential school system was like a load of bullshit. I like saw it and I literally was so baffled. And I was like, how in the world? And then even for like the news stories now, it's still kind of swept under the rug. It's not like making big coverage. Not a lot of people are talking about it. It's talked about on the news for us in America. I saw it like one blip of a news story and then it was gone, which is so sad. Like it's crazy to think how much racism and suppression and everything has happened for so long and now when people call it out nobody wants to believe them yeah people don't like to acknowledge genocide and that's what it was you know indigenous people were put through genocide and that's just the fact of the matter <laughs> yeah so you get into the city you start growing up and now i want to know from you when was the first time you were exposed to drag was there like when was your first exposure it was actually RuPaul's Drag Race. I uh, was cosplaying and I really wanted to start cosplaying female characters. And I didn't know if that was like a thing because I grew up pretty sheltered in that sense. 
And I had a friend sit me down and be like, yo, you have to watch a show. Like, all of these, like, male-presenting people are doing feminine presentation. I think you'd really like it. And I started watching Drag Race, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And it gave me the courage to kind of start cosplaying those female characters I really loved. And eventually I was tired of being characters, and I wanted to just be my own self. And that's when I started to just do drag fully. Yes. And your name's the same, right? Like, you didn't end up coming up with, like, Misty Violet or some, like, crazy name. Like, you just went with, you know, Alona, your actual name, right? So, Alona is actually a name that I picked for myself as my chosen name. Originally, it was kind of, like, my drag name. But it became my name because I don't identify with my birth name. I don't identify with my birth gender. And so through drag, I really found myself and who I was. So Verley is my legal last name. Um, And I'm working on getting my name changed right now as I'm starting my transition and stuff. And so, yeah, Lona Verley is my name in drag and out of drag. And it is my chosen name for the most part. And it's just uh, something that makes me feel good. Obviously, when people call me by my birth name, I just think about getting yelled at as a child. (laughs) So we don't like her. (laughs) We don't like her. So when you first started out doing drag, were you performing in like public places? Like how did you start getting the start, you know, into that? I was just a bedroom queen, you know, doing my makeup and doing all this. And I met someone online who was coming to Vancouver for the Dordalano concert and they were like hey like we're mutuals like would you go to me like with me to this thing and I was like oh I don't know I've never gone out and drag before like I don't know if I could do it and they're like I'll buy you a ticket just come and I was like okay let's do it so I go out with this person and sure enough I'm standing like we're at the front row of the stage and the door's about to come on and the host was like oh like Miss Thing like you look so good like do you want to get up on stage and do a number and I was like shitting my pants. I'm like, I've never performed. It's my first time leaving the house in drag pretty much like, oh my gosh, but I'm not going to miss the opportunity to accidentally open up for a Dordalano. So I'm like, sure, let's do it. Hit the track. And so I get up and I do my first performance accidentally opening for a Dordalano. And then there was a promoter in the audience who saw me perform and he came up to me after and was like, yo, like you got something like you should do the Vancouver's Drag Superstar contest I'm throwing in a couple months. And I was like, okay, like sign me up. And I did it. And uh, I made it to the top six. It was a four-week-long competition, made it right to the end. And after that, I was like, okay, I love this. And I started going out and performing more in the city and finding my footing and becoming a part of the Vancouver drag scene. That's crazy that it started off kind of like as like a pushing you to do it. And then being able to actually do that. And then they're like, you're actually pretty good. You need to do this competition. I bet that that like gave you the highest amount of like, I'm the shit. Totally. Yeah, it was definitely a nice like boost to my ego, especially like growing up just being so sheltered and kind of just being like a mad person, like on my own all the time. I was like, oh, like people like me. Like what? That's so new for me. (laughs) (laughs) So I was reading that you had actually auditioned for the US version of Drag Race. Is that true? Yeah, I auditioned for season 11 just for fun, just because I wanted to see what it was like about, you know, I knew I wasn't getting on. I wasn't like trying hard or anything. I just want to see what it was like so that when I auditioned properly, I could do something good, you know? So I auditioned for season 11, total flop central station, ended up auditioning for season 12, got pretty far in the casting. Um, and my tape was amazing. I'm so proud of my season 12 tape. I'm probably going to leak it eventually. I'm like, now that my contract's over, I'm just going to start like dropping this and that and the next thing. Um, but yeah, after season 12, not getting on season 12, I had a full mental breakdown because I thought I was really going to get it. Like I was so convinced. And when the Canada casting came out, I was like, I'm not doing it. Like, fuck this. Like, I feel scarred. I feel hurt. I feel not seen. And all my friends convinced me. They're like, you've got to just do it. Like, you'd be stupid not to do it. Like, just stop having so much ego and just do it. 
So I auditioned for the Candace show, and sure enough, I started getting the calls, and things were happening. And I was like, okay, I think this is it. I think this is my moment. And uh, sure enough, I ended up getting on. And uh, the rest is history. (laughs) The rest is history that's about to be spoken and put into the history books. Let's break this down. You get, what, a phone call? Is it a Skype call? How did you learn that you were going to be on Canada's Drag Race? So it was like a three-month-long casting process. And during, like, the last week was kind of like the, if you get a phone call on this day, you're moving on to the last round of casting, which is kind of like the medical exams and things like this. And so I was living in LA at the time and I was running out of money, running out of everything. And I was like, okay, I have to make a choice. Like, do I pack up and move back to Canada and like assume I'm getting on the show or do I stay here and wait and try to make it happen? Like I was pretty much at the point where I either had to get an apartment and move out of my cousin's house where I was staying and stay in LA or pack up and move home. So I was like, I'm just going to move home and manifest destiny and assume I'm going to get through to this last round of casting and it's going to be Gucci. And so the day that I flew home, I um, got the phone call on the plane that I made it to the next round, but I didn't see it for two days after because I obviously got home and I was tired. I was unpacking and this and that. So two days after I see this call, I'm like, oh my God, like what is going on? So I emailed them right away and they're like, oh yeah, like you need to do this, this and this. And then if you don't hear from us by this date, it means you didn't make it. And so the day comes when we're supposed to be finding out and they're like, hey, we actually need to Zoom with you and like we have a few more questions. And I was like, fuck, like, am I moving on or not, you know? And uh, so I get on the Zoom call and I think we're going to be doing some questions and they're asking me like kind of the same questions they've been asking me the whole process. And I'm sitting there and they hold up a sign that's like, congrats, you made it onto Candace's Drag Race season one. And I wasn't expecting that at that point. So that's how they get that good reaction. And I just like literally like threw myself back and almost fell off the chair. And it was so cool. I just like called my mom crying. I was like, I made it. I made it. I thought it before. But I ended up being poor anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay. So so they tell you, you get, you're getting on the show. And then how much time did you have to start planning your looks and stuff before it started shooting? So we were given about a month to get ready. However, my two designers that were helping me get ready for the show, it was the same month that Fashion Week was happening. So they both had like their huge collections they were putting together. So the deal was that the first two weeks of this month before the Fashion Week happened, I was... At the studio, helping them with all of their stuff, rhinestoning their looks and getting that done. And then that last two weeks I had to get ready was like them just cracking down now. Fashion Week's over. They're helping me get ready. So I got ready for Drag Race and half the time is everyone else, which I wish I kind of started and used those first two weeks to like do a bit more. In my head, I was thinking like, oh, like I'll just bring all straight wigs. I'll style my wigs there so I don't have to worry about packing them. I know how to style hair. Like I'll have so much time to work on things in the workroom. But it's not like that. You get there and it's like a schedule. Like in my head, I'm watching a show. I'm like, oh, you get time to work on things in the workroom. It's not like that. Like get your fucking hairstyle, bitches. Don't pull a me. You got no time to do anything. You show up and they're like, okay, bang, bang, bang. And I was just like, oh my God. I was like sneaking wigs back to my hotel room, trying to style them in the hotel room. So that's why my hair was kind of crusty. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. So you just said like, you know, there was a a schedule and things that you guys, you kind of had to do. So I would love to know what your experience was like from walking into the workroom and when you started noticing that things were not what you thought they were going to be. Um, you know, obviously the first day or so, you're so like wrapped up in the fantasy. You're like, oh my God, like I'm a drag race girl. Like I'm on TV. There's all these cameras here that I can't acknowledge. I have to just act like they're not there. Oh my God, this is so hard. And then by like the second, third day, you're like just living it. You're like, oh, cameras don't know her. And it's like, you kind of become 
the reality show thing. I would say it was probably like around episode three, four for me when I was like, okay, this is a TV show. Because the first couple episodes, it's like, feels very much like, okay, this is a competition. Like, we're doing drag, we're doing a thing. And by about episode three, four, I was like, okay, like, we're on a TV show. Obviously, I'm not dumb. I signed up to be on a TV show. But it's very, like, you start to see those things switch. And you're like, okay, this is not necessarily just a contest. This is, there's other things at play happening. And, you know, the producers are actually, uh, you're going to say this to her. And today we're talking about this. Today we're talking about mental health. Hey, why are you being so quiet? Do, don't you want to open up? And I'd just be like, girl, if I open up about my mental health, no one else is getting screen time today, you know? So <laughs> it was just things like that that started to unfold. And I think it was probably like episode four when I had my breakdown over lip syncing against Tainomi. They cut out a lot of that breakdown because the breakdown started in the untucked. And, like, I was, like, hysteric in the untucked. I literally, like, had to go talk to the head producer. I was like, I want to pack up. I want to leave. I don't want to even continue this episode. Like, I need to just go. I can't do this. And he's like, so you actually signed a contract, so you're going to have to finish filming the episode. So I'm going to need you to just go back out there and see what happens because you don't even know if you're going to lip sync. And I looked at him and I was like, shut the fuck up. I know I'm lip syncing. Like, don't come for me. And he was like, well, you just have to go see. And I was like, <laughs> Okay. So I go out and sure enough, I'm lip syncing against Tainomi and obviously the breakdown's continuing and I'm crying. I'm like, I just want to go. Like, they didn't show it, but in the untucked section of that episode, I went and put all my clothes in Tainomi's closet and I was like, just fucking send me home. They hate your clothes. Your clothes are ugly. Wear my clothes. Like, so if you stay, at least you can do good. And like, it was very that. And they kind of just showed me randomly melting down on the stage, which was like half the meltdown. So I don't know. And the, like, I, during the meltdown on stage, I was full crying. The producer had to come out. They cut the cameras and they're like, he had to sit me down and be like, you have to do this. Like, you're strong. Like, you can get through this. It's not that big of a deal. Like, just just do the lip sync. I'm like, no, let me leave. I want to leave. Like, I was going to just fold Ginny Lemon and walk off the goddamn stage. But, you know, I did it. Tino was like, don't disrespect me. Do the fucking lip sync, bitch. I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. But, um, you know, it's like, those are kind of the moments where I was like, okay, there's producers at play. There's things happening. Like, it's not the fantasy I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Well, when you said that, you know, you you kind of had your meltdown before and on top, what led to that and led to you putting those clothes in Tainomi's, like, wardrobe area? Like, was there something that really irked you the wrong way or what? It was more so, like, I just loved her so much. And I was like, if I have to lip sync against her, I don't want to. Like, she's so talented. I'm like, send me home, sis. Like, I know if we are lip syncing, you're sending me home. So I want you to do God. I'm going to leave you my shit. And I was just so sad because obviously I knew the outcome would be that she would send me home. And I didn't want to have to embarrass myself and then lip sync against my friend who I love, you know. And so it's just so many factors that were just, like, blowing up in my head. I'm like, I just don't want to be in this situation. Like, what the fuck? And, like, obviously, you sign up for this show, you know what you're getting into, but when you're actually living it, it's, like, so much more different than what your expectations are going to be. It was kind of also, like, around episode six, I saw a lot of, like, production things kind of going on, too. It was the denim episode, and I was wearing head-to-toe denim, and I asked if I could light my body on fire for the runway, which is something I do, like, a lot. Like, my entire body just inflames. It's really cool. And they were like, no, you can't. Like, we don't have a stunt person today. Like, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, there wasn't a stunt person here when Scarlett did her flame, so why can't I do this? And they're like, oh, well, Scarlett's trained. And I was like, I'm trained too. Like, I do this all the time. It's not like some random thing I'm trying to do. And she's like, yeah, no, like, unfortunately, we just can't have you doing that. And it was very, like, this kind of moment where I was like, okay. Like, it was like, okay, noted. You don't want me to do something cool. And then sure enough, when they were playing the commercials, Priyanka and Lemon's commercial had the exact same, like, kind of breakdown as ours it was the same kind of concept and 
they were judging our commercial and they were like, this didn't seem like a law firm commercial at all. You guys had no direction. And in my head, I'm like, wait, but ours was the exact same as theirs. And in my head, I'm like, oh my God, this is the editing. They're going to edit our commercial to look different than what they just showed us. And they're saying this because it's going to fit with how they're going to re-edit our commercial and how it's going to, oh my God, I'm in the bottom. I'm listening. And like in my head, all these wheels are going and it's like, you could just feel the editing happening in real life. And it was so weird because you know, it's, it's an edited TV show. I'm not stupid, yeah. but when you're actually living that experience and you're seeing it happen, you're like, oh, this is what everyone's talking about. It's like the realizations. <laughs> well, another realization that a lot of people watching Canada's Drag Race had was a lot of people felt that the judging was extremely harsh, rude, a little bit mean. Was that part of the edit? Or was there like actually nice things that these people said to you? Or did you guys feel like it was an overall like kind of like flatline experience with how they judged? I felt pretty flatline about things. Like you could definitely like some of the critiques are just like, what? Like, when they were living for some of Rita's looks, like, I love Rita. She's one of my closest sisters. She's an angel from heaven. But some of the critiques they were giving her were just so untrue to what she was wearing. And it was just, like, in my head, I'm just like, why are they saying that? Like, when they were living for her denim look that wasn't denim at all, it was literally stretched jersey. I'm like, that's not denim, though. And then even when she won, like, the first design challenge, I was like, that's a blanket with raw hems everywhere, like gloves glued to it like some of these girls made real garments and they're living for this and reading these other i was like what is going on and like it just was so confusing you know it was just weird I, and no one take this out of context rita deserved her wins i'm not saying anyone was robbed that's not what i'm saying but it's just you could tell like the way they were wording their critiques and their praises it was just so like uncalled for i don't know i don't know if that makes sense i'm kind of talking on my ass here <laughs> yeah so i think that the judging was kind of like took a lot of people by surprise. I think it was maybe edited in a negative light, but also like getting critiqued from those three. Did you feel like their critiques were valid because they aren't necessarily the judging that you would expect for a drag race? <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm going to tell you this. I'm aware I signed up for a TV show to get judged on my art. I'm not stupid. I know what I was getting into. But when you're there... And there is someone sitting there looking so fucking ugly and they're critiquing you and you look beautiful. Everything changes. And there was like a point where I think it was like Brooklyn or Jeffrey or someone was critiquing me. And I was just looking around the room like this and I just stopped listening because it was so out their ass. I was like, I don't care. And like, they literally asked me like, are you listening to what we're saying to you? And I was like, no, sorry. I actually don't care. In that moment, there was some face cracks, and uh, that was the denim episode where I had to lip sync. Um, but yeah, I was just over it. Halfway through, I was over it. I was like, I don't care what these people have to say about my drag. And you know, for me, my drag is so much a part of my identity as a trans person that being there made me realize, okay, contests aren't for me. I don't like getting judged on my art because it's a piece of who I am, you know? And how are you going to sit there and judge me on my self-expression? I don't know. Being there made me realize I don't like being there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you get off the show. You do end up getting eliminated. When you left the show, who did you think out of those five was going to win? Uh, at the time, obviously, I was really close to Scarlett. So I was pulling for her to win. 
I was kind of like counting down the elimination days at home being like, okay, we haven't got a phone call from her yet. She's still there. Like, you know, so I knew going back into filming that finale episode that she was in the top three. And obviously after watching the lip sync happen, I was like, okay, Scarlett killed that. Like she fucking killed it. Like the fucking knees slide across the stage. Like she did the best in that lip sync and watching what they showed on TV. It was like, they just kept cutting to Priyanka and like not showing all the cool stuff Scarlett was doing. And we were all in the background screaming Scarlett's name. Like in that moment, Scarlett was the winner to all of us. But obviously after watching the season and understanding like what goes into winning, I'm glad Priyanka won. I think that she has done so much with her win and like the representation that she brings as someone who is a person of color and a visible minority is so powerful and so important. So I'm really happy that Priyanka won, but obviously like, going through the experience, it didn't seem like she was going to win. Like, being there and living it, it was never really that vibe. But looking back, it makes a lot of sense. Reviews. They are everything. Whether it be a podcast review, food review, any time that you can read what another person's experience is, you kind of feel like, hey, you know what? Like, I understand where you're coming from. It can help you make some of the biggest decisions that you have to make in your life. And when it comes to finding healthcare, ratings matter even more. And that's where ZocDoc comes in. ZocDoc is an app where you can compare doctors by their ratings and read reviews from real patients. So you can find and book highly rated local doctors. It has been so eye-opening just to be able to see where I'm going to go before I actually go there because I normally have always dreaded going to the doctor before I ended up using ZocDoc. So just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or by video chat. You never have to wait on hold with a receptionist again because nobody likes the hold music. Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com slash exposed and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to see a doctor. So now is your time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash exposed. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash exposed and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and Book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's zocdoc.com slash exposed. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. You get off, you see yourself on television when it comes on. Perception of you being there in the workroom and the challenges and doing what you do and what you saw on TV was it the same? Was it similar? Was it not what you expected at all? Like, what was your reaction watching yourself? I gave them what I gave them. Everything I said, I said. I'm not going to sit here and be that girl and blame my perception on the edit. I, I said everything I said, full accountability. For me, it was really hard watching myself because at the time it came out, we were already a year and a half from filming, pretty much. And I had changed so much and learned so much about myself as a person. And watching the person I was in the show made me cringe because... I felt like I was constantly having to be like, acting like I'm recording an Instagram story, like being like, high energy, like, hi y'all, okay, so today we're doing this, and da 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 
And like, that's just not how I am. Like, I'm pretty toned back. Like, obviously, I'm sassy and I'm a bitch, but like, I'm a lot more calm and chill, like, honestly. So, having to watch myself in that like weird state of psychosis, I was like, oh, I hate that. I don't like that. Like, it was really hard for me to watch. I saw most of the episodes at viewing parties, but I haven't actually sat down and like watched the series. Because it just, like, makes me cringe seeing myself. I'm like, I don't identify with that person. Like, that person was hurting. That person was in a dark place. I am a lot better now. <laughs> <laughs> you brought up recently on the internet, you know, you were excited. And also, like, some other girls from your season were excited that the contract was over and that you guys can now speak freely about things. Why do you think that that was a big deal once that expired for so many girls like why do you think that that was a big deal you know all of us thought we were going to be a part of this i'm going to choose my words really carefully because i'm personally not saying any names here but we thought we were going to be a part of this big blank family you know that's presented online and through this network and we thought we were going to get uplifted by the network and supported we thought we were going to make appearances at the conventions put on by the network we thought we were going to have tours we thought we were going to be these girls that we have watched on the show, you know, and have these amazing experiences, these amazing opportunities. And it wasn't like that at all. We felt like we were all so like chopped. Like none of the American girls comment on my pictures ever. Like none of the network accounts comment on my stuff or interact with me. They just act like I don't exist. And for me, a few months ago, I was over it. I unfollowed him, like the network, the production, everything. I was like, I don't need to be associated with this. Like, I appreciate the platform. I'm thankful for the experience. Obviously, I got to live out one of my wildest dreams. But, you know, for me now, I'm not going to live the rest of my life trying to be a mm, girl. I'm going to just be a public figure now. You know, I'm going to take my platform. I'm going to use it. But I think that for me, drag race and this isn't the be all end all. I thought it was. I really did. But I'm not going to spend the rest of my life kissing ass for an opportunity to go on all-stars or be back on the show like I don't need that I have other dreams I have other aspirations and for the longest time like when you have your wildest dream come true you go through this dark place of what's next like I got everything I wanted out of life like what am I gonna do now it took a long time for me to snap out of that and be like you know you're doing fine girl like you have this platform you have this exposure use it don't sit here and get lost in it like use it to be political use it to be impactful like I want to change the world I've always wanted to have fame to do something with it, not just have money. Obviously, I want to be able to create my art and not have to worry about paying my rent and be able to create the art I want without budgets and limitations. But like, I want to be able to do something important. I want people to remember me for doing something other than just being pretty, you know? And I think I can do that and use my voice a lot more, not having to conform to a brand or a network standards. Like, I think the world has a lot of fucking changing to do, and I want to be a part of that. If me being open about doing sex work and fucking being an escort and sucking dick for cash can like inspire people to be like, oh, like it's not just a street job. Like successful people do this because they want to do it and they like doing it. Like it's just a job, you know, like obviously when I started doing sex work, I did it because I had to because I needed to pay my fucking bills. But then I realized how empowering it is and how impactful it is for me and my self-esteem to know that my worth and I can make this money myself just being me, it's empowering. And I think a lot of people don't understand. That's why a lot of people do sex work is because it is empowering. And it's a choice. Yeah. And you said empowering. And I think also what's come after, you know, 
your experience on Drag Race and from what you're saying out loud now too, is that, you know, on the show, you were kind of presented as non-binary. And I know that you had mentioned on Twitter and stuff that they wouldn't let you talk about, you know, your trans identity. How did that come to be? And what were, you know, you told? So I, going into the show, was very open about being two-spirit and non-binary. I knew I couldn't talk. I, I knew going into the show I was, I, I'm trans, and I've known I'm trans for a very long time. And Well, wait, one, one second. For those who don't know, what is two-spirit for those who don't know? So two-spirit is an indigenous term that talks on where you find yourself in your identity with uh, gender roles and spirituality. So it's kind of like that ebb and flow in between your masculine and your feminine. It doesn't mean you have to be trans to be two-spirit. It's about embracing both sides of that identity and find yourself in your spirituality. So it's inherently Indigenous because it is spiritual. It's not just like a gender thing. It's not a sexuality thing. It's just so much deeper than that, you know? And so there's two-spirit people who are cis presenting, you know? There's two-spirit people who are trans. And it's it's such a big spectrum that it's not just a box. And I think that's why Drag Race was interested in that because it's something new and it's not fully trans. It's just enough to look, um, you know, yeah. Like, I knew that I, I'm a trans person going into this experience and I wanted to open up about that. And they were like, maybe just stick with like the two spirit angle. And I was like, okay, I'm like, you know, still grateful for getting to be a little more queer than the average cis gay on Drag Race. I'm thankful for that. But like, why can't I talk about being a trans person, you know? And um, every time that I would kind of start going down the more trans route in interviews, when we started talking about the two-spirit thing or being non-binary, they'd quickly like rein me back and be like, nope, we're going to just focus on this aspect. And um, when we were doing our media training for all the press before the uh, announcement, there was a group call with all of us where the producers were on the phone just being like, if anyone asks in interviews about if Drag Race is going to have trans contestants moving forward, like, please make sure that you just change the topic and you don't address it because the network isn't ready to have those discussions yet. And that's something we're just not really clear on uh, moving forward. Because that was at the time where there was a lot of allegations coming out about transphobia from the network. Yeah. And so they were like, yeah, we're just going to not talk about it. And I messaged the producer after being like, yo, like, that's like super erasing my identity and my experience. Like, you're telling me not to talk about my own life because the network's not ready to, like, discuss that topic. Like, that's oppression, you know? And he's like, oh, well, I'm so sorry. Like, I I'm not trying to, like evaluate your identity and who you are and I'm like but you did you know and so that was the night I went home and I tattooed a fucking t on my forehead to be like reminding myself that I don't have to look a certain way to be trans and embrace my transness so I have a little t on my forehead that I tattooed there because I was so mad about that I was like I'm fucking trans and I'm gonna make my little statements in my own little ways and stuff and how dare you tell me not to talk about my experience and like essentially hold me back because that sent me into such a fucking spiral being like do I start my transition am I gonna be able to have a career if I start my transition you know and I had to just put it off and be like let's just get through this this drag race journey and then we'll deal with that when the time comes and it's been a long year and a half two years now just like feeling like I had to just get through every day being male presenting and like not embrace where I want to be in my life and it's just been fucking shitty and weird and like I talk about being trans all the time and I have people attacking me constantly and being like, well, you're just saying that for attention. Why haven't you started transitioning? Because I'm not mentally there. I haven't mentally been there. I haven't been financially stable enough. 
I know that being trans is hard. I have so many trans sisters who I've watched transition and they go through hell not being able to look the way they want right off the bat and getting ridiculed for the way they look going down the street just trying to be themselves, you know? And I know I'm not mentally ready for that yet. And I've been trying to get there. I've been getting laser hair removal. I've been getting filler. I've been trying to get to a place where I can feel comfortable expressing myself daily being female. And I'm just not fucking there. And for people to come at me and say that I'm being trans for TV because I haven't started a physical transition yet, it's fucked. No trans person wakes up trans it's a transition because it's a period in your life where you are transitioning to get to where you want to fucking be, you know, and to have a network set me back because they they were ready to have that discussion just really added to the fucking trauma that I've been having to live. And then people wonder why I'm such a fucking bitch. It's because I have to fight to just be able to be my goddamn self every fucking day. It's really hard when you can look in the mirror and know who you are, but not be that person. Yeah. And I think you know, what you said there, it's a mind fuck. I can't imagine what it would feel like to have people on the internet or to have people say, you know, oh, you know, like you didn't start your transition. What are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. And going against that, like you said, at the end of the day, it is on you and you have multiple layers that you have to do and you have different things you have to check in the boxes at different times. And it's not going to come overnight, like you said. And I think that that is the most obnoxious thing. It's very frustrating too, because I feel like as a community, we should be doing a lot better for our trans brothers and sisters. And we should be doing more than just if we, I always have this thing that I say, it's like we're LGBTQIA+, but if you're in one letter, you need to step out of your letter and try to understand other letters' struggles because you're not going to be able to grow within the community unless you do research and unless you end up seeing what other people experience because your experience as a cis gay male is not the same as somebody's experience as a trans woman, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, that's such a good point. Like, we're a queer community. We need to uplift each other, not just support our letters and our subsections of the community. Like, we all experience ridicule for being any form of queer, and we need to be able to understand that and relate our hardships to other people's hardships way more often. Yeah, and I mean, like, I'm so sorry that all this has even happened and you had to put things on hold because I know that is a mental mindfuck for you, and you're probably like, you feel probably like you are a year and a half, two years behind on the journey that your mind is probably so far ahead, but the things that you need to do to be able to make yourself feel comfortable and to feel like who you are, you couldn't even do for that year and a half. So you're probably, your mind's probably 10 steps further than what you're able to do. So this happens and all this stuff, you speak out about everything what backlash did you receive from, you know, saying that on the internet? Did you experience anything? No, I think most people that read it, like, were like, shit, you went through something shitty. Like, fuck, sorry about that. And, you know, I'm sure there's been a million Reddit threads discussing it and people hating on me. I don't read them. I don't fucking care anymore. Like, I'm so happy in my day-to-day -day fucking life, knowing who I am, living my life with my fucking friends. I could have a dollar in my fucking bank account and still be happy because I know who I am. I learned to stop living in that hurt and living in that need to make people like me because I started to like myself, you know? I I'm sure there's been backlash, but I haven't seen it. I have my privacy settings 
down to a fucking T. Now I only read replies and see things that I want to see that are positive and I don't have to engage with negativity. And every once in a while, if someone gets through my privacy settings, I set them straight and block them and I move on. And I don't let it affect my day. I just keep going. And, you know, you hear people say that all the time. Don't read the comments. Don't this. Don't do that. But like, I got famous in a pandemic. I was at home. That's all I had to do was read comments. You know, there was nothing. I didn't have any money to dry my tears with. You know, that's the thing. A lot of these like famous people or public figures, they have money and they're able to be like, oh, the hate's fine. I have money. I don't need to worry about the hate. I had no money. All I had was the hate. (laughs) So for the longest time, it took me a while to be able to get to where I am now. And I'm just really happy I made it out on the other end. I'm happy that you made it out and I'm happy that you made it out and keeping your sanity and keeping your dignity for who you are as a person. Like I applaud you for not continually going to feel the need that you have to stay in the bubble of a network or you have to stay in the bubble of, you know, the franchise and what it is. Like you are a part of the franchise, but you don't have to abide by every single thing that they want you to do or kiss ass, like you said. I would love to know from your sisters, from like the other girls that you have in Canada's Drag Race, are you still close with them? Like, how is your relationship with the girls? Yeah, we're all still really close. There was like a good like four or five months where I left the group chat and I was just doing my own thing and having my own personal relationships with everyone. But leading up to the reunion, I went back into the group chat and, you know, the issues I've had with like Scarlett, we've worked them out and we're fine. And, you know, we're, I think our season so specifically, we really are a family. Families fight and families stop talking, but we're always going to have that level of sisterhood that's going to bring us back to each other, you know? And um, they're always so there for me whenever something goes wrong. I'm in the group chat with it and they're so supportive. And the other day I had this really uncomfortable situation where I was taken advantage of and like super humiliated by this photographer. And um, I went in the group chat and we were talking about it and the girls were like, should we cancel him? Should we drag him? Like, (laughs) Ty always like, do you want me to fly there and beat his ass? Like, they're so supportive and they're so always there for me. And I said it on the reunion, like what the 12 of us went through, like, it really trauma bonded us and we're so close and no one can take that from us. And I'm, I'm thankful if anything for the relationships I have with them. Sorry, I'm getting emotional, but yeah, I have never been so close to anyone as I am with those girls. So I'm appreciative for that. That's good. And you know, at the end of the tunnel, it's kind of like your experience may not have been the best on the television show, but the girls coming to you and being around you and being friends now. And like you said, like they are your family and they're going to be a humongous part, you know, if the relationship keeps growing around your journey and your continual growth. And I think that that says so much. And like you said, like if somebody wants to beat up somebody for you, like that already says a lot about the person and how much they care for you. So I'm glad that you have that support and I'm glad that they carried their support over to you regardless of what's happened after the show because I think that that is truly what everybody who goes through this show needs. They need that sisterhood because your mental health probably is not the best when you get off the show, you know? Yeah, (laughs) very, very true. And that's, yeah, that's what makes us so close is we just get each other because we all lived and experienced the bullshit of it. And, you know, 
half of us got really successful and half of us didn't. And the half that got really successful, like those girls always look out for us. Like whenever I'm tweeting about being fucking poor and not paying my rent, Rita sends me a couple hundred bucks and she's like, Hey sis, I'm doing pretty good this month. So I just want to share the love, like thinking about you, like, sorry, you're poor. And like, it's just like that shit warms my heart. Like that's family, you know? And I'm so thankful to have those people looking out for me when I need it. And I can't wait till I'm at a place in my life where I'm able to give back more as well. Yeah. I mean, you you will get there. Like the energy that you have and who you are as a person and finally being able to be, you know, your true self will get you to where you need to go. I mean, you showed everything on the show and, you know, your looks were there, your makeup was there, your personality's there. So just knowing that, you know, you have that drive and you have the talent, now everything's just catching up, you know, with the inner of who you are. Um, let me ask you when, when you got off and then now, like, you know, you kind of are away from the network and you're away from all of that, you've made a tweet too. Like, you know, you're, you're going to go back to sex work and stuff. Is that like a short-term thing, a long-term thing? Like what's the goal now for Alona? I just really want to be able to focus on my transition now and get things going. Um, I actually supposed to go for laser hair removal this morning and I fucking slept through it and I'm so mad at myself but it's finally now taking those steps and not waiting like let's be who I want to be now let's stop putting it off let's stop oh I'll do it next month like it's I'm doing things now you know to get to where I want to be and put myself on the right path because I envision myself with fucking Amanda Lepore face and giant titties and fucking BBL waist and ass like I want to be the hottest fucking trans girl in the world. <laughs> Everyone's your, hot, your boobs. I want to be that girl, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you have to just make sure that they're like Jimbo's. Yeah, I want, like, exactly. Like, I love that look of, like, bimbofication and stuff, and that's something, like, I want to do. And, like, I see myself in my head as that girl, that over-exaggerated um, feminine beauty, and I'm ready to start doing it. And for me, I want to do porn. I want to do OnlyFans. I'm sexual. I like sex work. And... Like, I'm just not holding myself back anymore. And I'm just, like, really ready to just, like, dive into it. And, like, I don't care what people want to say about me. Like, oh, she's doing porn now? Like, yeah, I fucking am. And now I can finally pay my rent. Like, fuck off. Drag Race didn't pay for shit, y'all. Like, fucking sucking dick did. How do you yeah. think I got human hair on my head? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I do want to get into something that caused a little controversy and a little stir. And a lot of people wanted to know this when I asked uh, for questions for you. Um, there was a situation where somebody asked you a question on Instagram and you ended up talking about an experience that you had with another, uh, with a Rue girl um, named Willem and some setting powder when you were 19 years old. And then Willem has denied that story. Like what had happened and what's going on with it? I mean, I was just sharing a story that happened to me and people thought I was attacking her or dragging her. I wasn't. Like, everyone has bad days. I've had my own diva bitch meltdowns backstage. It fucking happens. And, like, I don't know. I, I think people took it so out of context. Like, I wasn't coming for her. I, I don't fucking care. There's literally a video of her dumping Trixie Mattel's brushes over. Like, it's just people do things and it's, like, sometimes meant to be funny and it maybe doesn't come across that way. And to me, it didn't come across as funny and I didn't really love it. And I, I think it got blown out of context and she wanted to have a, a drama online and 
that was right in the heat of me having so much hate and dealing with so much hate. I was like, I just can't do any more dramas right now. Like, fuck, I didn't mean for this to be a big drama. Like, I was just sharing a story. Like, fuck, like, leave me alone. So I'm like, just don't talk to me about it anymore. I don't want to talk about it. Like, it's stupid. It's not like the end of the fucking world. Like, fucking got new setting powder. I'm still doing drag. Like, <laughs> Willem's a cool girl. She's doing her own thing, and I respect that. <laughs> like, I don't hate her. That's never what it was meant to be, so. Have you talked to her since? No, I think, you know what? It was so fucking stupid. I think she probably hates me and I, she has all the right to. It was a dumb fucking situation. I obviously was just trying to like tell a story to like look like I had relevant stories to tell and like <laughs> it backfired. Like I wasn't trying to fucking start shit. I was just like, oh yeah, I worked with Willow months and hated it. Like <laughs> I didn't think it was that deep, but sorry, Willem, like it's not that deep, sis. Like, Watch you randomly get like a humongous package of setting power. <laughs> wait, like in honor of that scandal. Let's just have a little moment here. I'm holding my setting powder, and now I'm dumping it out myself. I'm making my own choices here. <laughs> this is in honor of Willem. <laughs> Sometimes setting powder goes on the floor. It's fine. Shit <laughs> <It> happens. <laughs> you have have a moment for the setting powder. I I love it, and I love that you are fully like becoming who you are. I will say, like talking to you right now. And the way that you were presented on the show, I think that you you were maybe edited a little bit bitchy on the show. Did you feel that? Um, that's what I gave them, though. I went in and I was like, I want to be Violet Chotsky. I want to Violet edit. Like, that's the energy I was giving. And that's on me. Honestly, it's on me. <laughs> I'm not that. And I shouldn't have been portraying that. Like, I'm a nice, chill girl. <laughs> <laughs> So what is what is next for Alona? What do you what's to come for the rest of the year? Like what what is your goal and your ambition and your dream? Now that you've had the drag race dream, what do you want for yourself? I just want my fucking tits. I want my fucking ass done. I want to be the trans girl I see in my head. Like I'm ready to be there, work on my OnlyFans and just really make that switch over that I want to make. Like it's time to stop talking about it and like showing people this is where I'm at. You know, I want my physicalities to match up with my words and how I feel. And that's my goal moving forward is to just be myself mentally and physically. I I love that. Cause once that happens for you, I feel like you are going to be an unstoppable force. You're going to be like hitting it up. Your shows are going to be like the shit because you like your mind and everything, like you're going to be finally you like, is that exciting for you? It's super exciting. And like every day I'm getting closer and closer and just feeling better and better about where I am. And I'm, I'm thankful that I'm finally at this point in my life. Well, I am so happy for you. I'm so glad that, you know, you've taken this time to chat with me and talk about your experience and also talk about your life and really just be able to tell your story because, you know, on Drag Race, sometimes we don't get to see the full aspect of who you guys are as actual individuals. What do you have like words of wisdom that you have for our amazing community, like those out there in our LGBTQIA plus community? Any like words of wisdom or, you know, things to live by? I would say truly don't hold yourself back. And it's so easy to say that. But one day you're going to wake up and all those things that are weighing you down, you're going to have to make that decision that you're so sick and tired of being weighed down that you're just going to keep going. You know, I used to let my appearance hold me back. I used to let the way I felt about things hold me back all the time. I would stay in bed for days at a time being depressed. And one day I was just so tired of it. I was like, you know what? I can be depressed, but still go for a walk. 
And I might hate that fucking walk and come right back home and get in bed, but at least I went and did something. And I think eventually we, as people get tired of our situations and start to make changes and you can do it. You can make that change and you can stop pulling yourself back. And it just takes hitting that wall to wake up and realize it's time to just stop hitting the wall and just break it down, you know? And, um, I've been hearing things like that my entire life, but it's hard to get yourself out of that situation when you're there. But I think if you know that it'll happen eventually, and at least that lights at the end of the tunnel, maybe you're not breaking down the wall today, but just know you can do it and you'll get there. I think that's the biggest thing is just having hope and knowing that you'll get to where you need to be when you're meant to be there. I love that. Thank you so much, Alona, for being here with me today and chatting. Where can people find you on the socials? Drop the OnlyFans. Give all the info so you can start getting the coin, girl. You can find me on all social media at Alona Verley. I'm probably going to start doing a YouTube channel. That's just Alona Verley as well. I'm ready to do the story time thing, be the next Tana Mojo. And I'm still waiting for my OnlyFans to get um, my identity verified. But as soon as that happens, I'll be posting hole on there so yes cries out <laughs> yes yes until next time i'm joseph shepherd be sure to like comment go send alona some love on her instagram or twitter you know when the only fans gets out go like tip a girl do whatever you need to do i'm joseph and that's alona burley Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Exposed Dragged Out, brought to you by The Dip. I'm Joseph Shepard, your host. You can follow me on all things social at Joseph A. Shepard. That's S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. You can also go to thedip.com slash RuPaul's Drag Race. The Dip with two P's dot com. That's the dip with two P's.com. Use promo code EXPOSE for 50% off your membership. And be sure to check out other podcasts from the dip, including Hot Off the Mess with Samantha Bush, the daily pop culture podcast, Pop Chaser, TV History Podcast, TV Watch Repeat, Real Housewives Podcast, The Slut Pick Podcast, and also I Am the Cute One, America Ain't Ashley Olsen Podcast. Until next time, I'm Joseph Shepard. <laughs>